Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faiths like fitness and nutrition, it can be anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are admin Wanna Vibe feminine spirituality which is something we don't typically hear because right. we live in the masculine world um, it's interesting that we have to make such a conscious effort to be feminine to embody feminine um, and so feminine spirituality is kind of just the flowy the messiness the momentary response to who you are in your authentic core um, so the feminine she's love and the masculine is consciousness. So how can I be love? I, I am existing as love in every single decision, every moment, my anger, my sexiness, my PMS, all of that are different forms of love. And so figuring out what that is, showing up as that, and then naturally attracting everything that you want because you are in that vibration. You are love. And so that for me is feminine spirituality, but... That's the cool part about feminine spirituality. It's whatever it should be. That's what it is. I love that. That's it's awesome. kind of like the heart versus the head almost. I was kind of waiting for this response too, because I'm like, I really, I really don't know. You know? And I was I say to Abby sometimes, I'm like, I think sometimes I portray as masculine, like because I'm a little aggressive. And then I'm like, but I would love to like tap into like I being sexy or like being feminine to me is almost uncomfortable. Mm. And so you know what I mean? Like, uh, I see women that like, I grant it's like Instagram, but like taking pictures and they have this face and like they're doing these things. And I know I'm like, I could never do that, <laughs> you know? And like, but they tap into it. They tap into like their sensual side, their feminine side. And I'm like, I want to be like that. And then I just have dead eyes in pictures and it's hard. But I also think that what's interesting about what you just said and Hilly's like description, Hilly, sorry, um, is that, I think femininity can mean different things to different people because as Halai was talking, I was thinking of how you, Isa, are so, you are tapped into your femininity. But to me, what that looks like in you is that you're very in tune with your emotions. You're not afraid to cry. You're not afraid to feel your feelings. You know what I mean? So like, it's interesting that you depict it as immediately going to the, I don't feel sexy side of it when there are so many different faces to femininity, I guess. Oh. Yeah, we always notice what we don't have. Like, we notice our own lack, whether other people see it or not. Like, you can feel that. And in your head, as I'm talking, everyone's thinking of it right now. Like, oh, I don't have this, and I'm missing that. But every single person's narrative is totally different. Um, and that's what this is, that we don't have the same story. There's a filter that we live through this experience on, and all this birth carry but nobody knows we keep that yeah. secret and we act like this is normal like that's just who I am but is it or are we just living on this programming that this is what's comfortable and this is what feeds my my story inside oh I love that me too um I want to do as we do in every interview that we have and just take a step back and kind of hear about your childhood and sort of like what your what moments in your life brought you to this point. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my gosh. And this is a huge thing. You always teach and, and share and can serve in what you suck the most at. Um, so it's your own trauma. Everything that went wrong in your life is exactly how you're meant to serve. Right. You figure that out. Um, I grew up in a religious household, like relatively conservative. Um, my parents immigrated from Afghanistan, so they didn't know how to be like typical cool American parents. They were figuring out life and I give them so much credit, but it was a lot of, okay, let me also figure out how to be both Afghan and American. I am neither. So who am I? I'm weird in between. And so figuring out how to be a woman and own that part of myself uh, while still having this household that just didn't accept, you know, I could never wear a two-piece swimsuit, no spaghetti strap, short, no shorts, like no dates, no boys, no going out. Like I lived such a sheltered life until I went to college. Um, but it became in the normal, like, this is how life is supposed to be, right? Right. And so I denied my femininity, denied my sexuality, like, even talking about sex. Of course, I feel like a lot of us grew up a little bit like that, but yeah. no sex until marriage. They made sure that we knew that. Um, so, yeah, I, that was kind of the upbringing. College, I, I was pretty wild in my thing. Then I went to a corporate world, and I'm like, okay, I'm so proud of myself. I'm, I got you know, climbing the corporate ladder. And within like three months, I got promoted and I had this experience with like sexual harassment with uh, this high profile client. And it was this moment of like, wow, I'm not the same as the way that men are treated in this space. Right. Um, and so I had this very traumatizing, I got to get out of here. I traveled, I quit my job, did the whole explorer thing to like find myself didn't find myself, um, but that was the beginning of my journey, and I started to awaken to like, okay, why am I here? What am I meant to do? What do I really want? Um, and so over time, like I, I slowly got into like coaching, health and wellness work, but I'm like, this stuff doesn't matter until you know what's going on inside, until you get right. rid of the gunk that's in here. Your health, your fitness, your digestion, your hair, your body means nothing. It is all a reflection of what's going on inside. Um, so that's kind of like a short version of how I got here. But as you found yourself like trying to find yourself and like going and traveling, how were your parents reacting to this? Oh my gosh, my parents didn't speak to me um, when I told them I quitting my job. So my mom didn't speak to me for almost three months. It was her birthday pass. I never wished happy birthday. I was in Thailand and she was back home. And that was a hard experience yeah. to feel like so disowned um and they were just so embarrassed of me like we immigrated to this country and our kid is off to third of the countries working in restaurants bars, and wasting her degree that was so hard to allow her to have. yeah uh, that was so so hard for me but even i was like okay well it is for a greater purpose i'm not doing this to to piss you off or in spite i wasn't rebelling i was choosing and that's what's so hard to make them understand, right? Where you're like, this isn't, I'm not doing this against you. I'm just doing it for me. And it, but it's hard with, it's yeah. hard with parents in general. <laughs> yeah, I think that like, it is definitely really hard. And I don't think it's the first time that we've heard the story of like a parent wanting to give their kid a better life and their kid just being like, well, that's not the life I want. You know what I mean? Like we all have to figure out our own path. So if the traveling and the kind of eat, pray, loving, if you will, was not what helped you find yourself, what was it? Um, of course, everything contributed. It was like pieces unraveled little by little. And I think that's the biggest 
part of feminine spirituality is that there's not this flip and this like breakthrough, like acknowledge all the layers that you're unraveling. Um, so that was part of it. I remember sitting on, t- on a boat in Thailand and thinking, whoa, I feel so good. And I'm thinking back to, I didn't know how deep of a hole I was in until I got out of it. And you're like, wow, I was just in that. I can't believe I was there. Um, so sometimes it takes even just getting to neutral to realize how dark mm. you, you were in. Um, so that was part of it. And then, you know, somebody handed me a book in Mexico while I was traveling there that started to add another layer to it. And then I went back into like the working world. I went to, got another nine to five job and I was thinking, okay, th- let me try again. I, this is a reputable company. I'm working in education. I'm helping students. And even then, this isn't me. This feels wrong. Um, so there's so many pieces that ultimately led to, to me saying, I care about other people. I want other people to feel this good. I want other people to be in a space of doing what feels authentic for them. What a calling. I feel like when people feel that force of like, this isn't right for me you know, and like actually listen to it is so important and such like a almost divine sort of crossing with it because a lot of people either will hear that and be like, no, 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 I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Like keep your head down and like ignore that sort of like whimsical dream. And so Mm -hmm. to like follow it is really scary. Also exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So many people are getting the signs. Everybody is. We're all getting the pushes and getting the hints. But those people that always make those comments, nothing works my way. And I've had a streak of bad luck. What if all those bad luck moments were signs were pushing you into something else and you kept denying it over and over and over again? Um, So it's, that's what I think. I don't think anyone has like a harder hand. It's like, you're getting all these opportunities. Are you seeing them? Are you seeing the portals and the pathways that you could be going down? Or are you just so locked in that this is how it has to be? Why is everything not working in favor? Yeah, I think that's a really mm. important point is like reframing how you're thinking about the situation you're in because it is very much um, an abundant mindset to say that things are happening to you as opposed to for you. And so once you reframe... And even like, I do it too. Like I'll call my friend Kate, who's been on our podcast, who does tarot readings. And I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like, when is this going to get fixed? And she's like, no, no, no. The question is, what is this trying to teach you? Like, what is this setting you up for? Um, well, so that being said, Anisa, this is your question that I'm stealing. What is still, what is, um, what would you say is like one of the most common things that people say to you when they seek your guidance? The most common, like what they show up with is as their block. Yeah. Um, I think it's just an overall blank, like an uncertainty. Oh, I don't know what I want. Well, you have, you've been listening. Like, do you wake up in the morning and check in with yourself? Like, do I even want coffee or am I just doing this because I've done it every damn day? Um, so people show up thinking that this is how it's supposed to be. And they have a deep sense of not knowing who they are and what they want at your, what are your needs? What are your desires? Do you even know that? Do you honor that? Do you give yourself permission to have pleasure? Is that all regimen or are you just checking things off um so i think the huge thing that people come with is just not knowing what is going to make me happy i actually don't know what's going to make me happy how many times have you been like you know just i'm saying in general have people been asked what do you want 
And everyone's like, I don't know. Like, I want what I'm doing, I guess. Like, when you really think about it, and I would, like, love to challenge, like, our listeners right now, like, what do you want? Because if somebody were to ask me, I'd be like, ah, I'm fine, thanks. Like, uh, I'm good, you know? Like, but if, to really think about it, I would have to, it would take a lot of time for me to be like, these are the things that I want. I, I know I have some of the things that I want that I've like, gone for, but, like, that's a, a big task to take on to like tap into yourself and say like, what is, what does my heart want? Or what am I lined up for? Yeah. And, and your response to the question, it's more about how you respond and the emotion that's there than the content of what you're saying. So you could tell me, I want, I want more money. I just, I want more money. Okay, cool. Why? What will that give you? What feeling are you missing? What security are you missing? What, extra boost of confidence is this money going to give you so figuring out the layer beneath that um, and allowing yourself to ask okay and then what and then what and even yourself saying oh i don't know i, I don't need anything cool then that's you saying why why are you not allowed to want things what do you mean you don't need you don't want anything how can you live a life without wanting so we we create a lot of we demonize desire oh that's enough just be grateful you have enough and a lot, all, most kids grew up with this belief, like appreciate what you have. Um, but owning desire and wanting more is actually growing your vibration. You're showing up bigger, you're expanding your presence, and you're actually raising the vibration of the entire planet by desiring and feeding your desire. So it's okay to want. <laughs> I want so, so many things. I know. My mind is oh so blown. <laughs> um, that's actually like such, I, I just can't, my, hold on. My brain needs a, a second because. Because it's almost shameful to feel like I want more than what I have mm-hmm. or like I want better for myself. It's like, well, you got a good, so what's the problem? You know, it's a, almost as if you can only want better when it's bad. And that's yeah. not the case. You know, you almost feel like selfish and like greedy being like, well, look, I got all these things and like, I still want. I wonder where this behavior came from, because this is not necessarily just a female thing or a millennial thing, or this is like a human thing. I feel like even cavemen were like, well, the cavemen before us didn't have fire. So, you know what I mean? Um, So interesting. So... People come to you, they don't know what they want. They don't know how to get clear on that. Talk us through like kind of obviously high level, how you work with women to get them that clarity. It's so different with each person. And that's what's so cool about this work is that it's a mystery every time, but the answer is there and the answer is within us. It's just are you willing to go there? Are you willing to admit that you're doing things to please other people? You're doing things to look a certain way. You're doing things for whatever reason. Um, So we'll just start by really just asking questions, getting in there. Okay, why do you want this? Where is that coming from? When was the first time you felt this way? Um, So I like to do like going deeper into like an unconscious meditation where, you know, especially closing your eyes helps a lot because you're less distracted by what's going on in the world and really going inwards with yourself um, and just answering questions from there. Sometimes we'll go back to a specific memory and experience the emotion around that memory and say, okay, was there an 
emotion here. And typically with, with trauma, what happens is if you have one experience with a bad emotion, it can get locked in your body. And unless that feeling is fully until completion, it stays there. Tracked experiences in your reality that are pushing you into re-experiencing that emotion, if that makes sense. So it can like release it? And like, is this a message from the universe? Right. Halai, come back. Come back to us. We're so into it. I'm so into her. <laughs> is she requesting or something? Maybe she no. has to restart. No, there she oh, is. Oh, there she is. Yay. Can oh, you hear me? Okay, cool. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Perfect. Yeah. So we're just going to edit that part out. But basically you were saying that your body holds on to the trauma and you keep repeating these patterns until like the lesson is learned essentially. So you'll like, so what I took it as is that regardless of like the person or the situation, right? Say that, Oh, so it's me. And regardless of me dealing with a certain person, a different person, it may repeat even in different people. And then like, it's like, Hey, can you learn finally sort of thing? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always need to even get the, like, let's say it's a past partner and you felt like abandoned by this person. Like, I can't believe you did this to me. You feel that pain and that hurt, but in the moment you just move on. Like maybe the partner moved on with somebody else and you don't want to experience those emotions. So you're thinking, I'm going to pr- push it down. I'm not hurt. I'm not sad. I'm not bothered. So later on you will attract a partner that pushes you into that same feeling. So if you felt abandoned and you never let yourself feel those emotions in that moment, you'll attract another experience that recycles the feeling of abandonment. So you have to feel it. Um, And until you fully feel the emotion, allow yourself to be embodied in it and say, okay, I welcome this emotion. I get it and then let it go. It's going to happen again in the next partner and your friendships and your boss. It'll continue to recycle itself. So that's how trauma works in the body. Yeah. Whoa, that's amazing. When you, is there ever a time where you like meet a client and you're like, hey, this isn't going to work out, like off the bat? No, I, I don't really think oh, it's going to work out. <laughs> I, do, I do see some that I'm like, okay, you're going to be a challenge. I see that, that you have a lot of walls and maybe less of a willingness to be out, ready to share. Some people a little bit harder and, and cool. That's a challenge for me to make sure to comfort, but no, nobody's impossible to, to crack. Also people, when they're coming to you specifically and seeking you out are probably at a specific place or at least like a general area of places where they're somewhat ready or want to be ready to change And also to your point before, like the vibrations that you're putting out into the world are probably attracting those people as well. I want to go back for a second to the masculine versus feminine, um, because I think this is really interesting. I don't think it's something that is talked enough about. And especially in our society now, also to your point before, I think women are really pushed to be in their masculine more often than not. Mm -hmm. It's like... I saw a meme the day that was like, we're, we, women is who I mean by we, are supposed to work like we don't have kids and raise a family like we don't work. Mm-hmm. It, there's just such an immense amount of pressure for us to be like literally everything. And it's kind of like, if you're trying to wear that many hats at one time, how are you not in your masculine more often than not? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely know that I am wearing pants more often than I'm wearing a dress, if you know what I mean, which luckily, luckily for me, my, my husband has, sorry, babe, but he has a, a decent amount of feminine energy. So we balance each other out pretty well, but, um, yeah, but how, how do you start to break, break it down a little bit and just stop being so like controlled all the time? Controlling you, you know, you, you are placing these on yourself. We all do that to ourselves. The standard that we create, who created that standard? And yeah, we grew up with it, but it's a choice. It comes from our programming, from the story that we have growing up. But then once you have the awareness, it is now your choice. You're either choosing to live in this story, in this paradigm, or you can choose another one. And it takes one choice. The thing is, we have these habitual decisions that every time we behave a certain way, it's an automatic response. But the very moment that you choose differently, you are actually shifting into a new timeline, a new paradigm, a new version of you, a new attraction potential. And that happens the moment that you choose for the first time. So it's that simple. It's just that the first time is scary and uncomfortable and all the emotions come up, which we know and we avoid intentionally. Dang. It's interesting. That even happened to me when I was painting my apartment. This wall back here is black. And I was like asking people's opinions. I'm like, do you think my whole apartment is black and white? That's it. Just black and white. And I'm like, do you think what is about black? And I got so many no's. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm doing it in black. And I know that's not like emotional or like spiritual, but like normally I would just be like, okay, I'll just do everything. However, you're going to tell me to do it. And I feel strong in this apartment now. I feel good. This is my home now. Good. I love that. I mean, it could be your inner child. Like she, I don't know how you grew up, but maybe having to always listen and comply, or maybe if you were the oldest sibling, sometimes that can lead to making you want to rebel and not be responsible and not do what people expect of you. So there's so many layers to why you have this like kind of, you know, you get a little bit kind of turned on by doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Like, oh, let me do that. Like, perfect. I'm going to do it purposely. Yeah, I'm going to do it twice now. Yeah. Yeah. You guys both just said things about basically childhood. I just, that probably sounded like static. That was me stuttering. Um, But childhood upbringing and, and how that shapes you as an adult. And I know that in your program, you touch on inner child healing. And I wanted to quickly talk about that because I do, based on our conversation just for the past like 20 minutes, there's so much that we receive growing up that sticks with us as adults. And I, Granted, I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to disclaim that now. But like I tell my friends that come to me with their complaining about random shit in their life that, you know, up until you can, you, there's a point in your life as an adult where you have to take responsibility for your actions. You know, I don't care how fucked up your parents are or like what everything else looks like. Like it's in your hands now. And I guess like what you're saying to me is essentially the same thing, but on a less tangible, more spiritual level. Um, and so with inner child healing, I just was wondering if you could quickly kind of talk to us about what that looks like and how that contributes to the overall work of becoming more aware of your feminine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anything that happens from zero to seven, you imprint, you're like a little ducky that just absorbs and that becomes your rule book for how to live life, uh, even as early as the womb. So that's a phase where you can kind of experience and adopt things that are not necessarily true. So how your mom feels about being pregnant with you, um, that can create an imprint onto, do you feel oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Were you an accident? That might have something to do with whether or not you feel worthy of being here and being seen and, and just existing. That plays into it. Um, so anything that happens in that phase ultimately becomes like your rule book. Like, this is how I receive love. And the feminine is love. So she operates under that rule book. Okay, so if I, there's like different versions of children you can be. I'll give my own example. So I was like the little helper kid. If I help around the house, if I take care of the family, I take care of my brother, clean, cook, whatever with my mom, I'm a great kid. I'm going to get love. And so in partnerships, the way I receive love is by acts of service, like doing so much for people and being that domestic partner in a way, whether or not that aligns with me, I, I have this subconscious story that says, I'm going to be more loved. I'm going to be more appreciated. And that might not be true, but you'll either attract people who can traumatize you with that and, and really sting that part of you or attract people that just don't see it, that are not able to, to recognize that as love. Wow. Yeah. This is I'm like so much heavier than I anticipated it to be. But it's really opening my eyes too, because honestly, like I'm like inner child healing. Like what is, I, I genuinely didn't know what it meant. And I was like, does that mean like, I'm going to like remember shit from like when I was a kid? Like, how do I even know that that's, a thought that I'm like, how do I even know if that's a fact or am I making it up? Like, you know, cause I can honestly tell you that like, probably I was also on drugs, but like before like 18, I wasn't on drugs at 18. Anyway, I digress. But like before 18, I don't really remember anything. I'm like, I sort like people will say like, Oh, you remember when we went in this class and we were talking to this teacher? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, and then I like, I don't know how to tap into that. And I'm like, I, I don't almost don't remember like growing up, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. So it actually doesn't matter what the facts are. If you remember being, you know, lost in a mall, whether or not that actually happened, whether or not it was five minutes or three hours, whatever experience that you recall, that is the feeling that's in your body. So it doesn't matter what your mom says, like, no, that actually never happened doesn't matter. That's what I felt. That's what my inner child perceived the world as. She saw the world as, oh my gosh, I've been dropped off at the mall. I'm never going home. This is the end. The trauma and the abandonment and the fear, that's the feeling she felt no matter what factual evidence of what happened. So whatever, you can honor that and, and trust that that's leading you to healing. But it really doesn't matter ultimately. Because How do you go from healing from, like, so say like you have this feeling of like when you're in a certain position you feel abandoned or you feel scared so as an adult what would how do you guide somebody into healing themselves well we can start by just feeling into that emotion and well it would likely show up in their life so we have a one-on-one -on -one session where they would share an experience with a roommate or somebody that happened and then you can feel into that feeling and imagine the first time that this happened when is the first time that you felt like somebody betrayed you the first time that you felt abandoned, whatever. And something will pop up. That's what's interesting about this work is that you don't even need to think too hard when you're in the space and you're, you've given your body permission 
you told yourself, I'm letting myself go there. Something will arise to the surface and the memory will come up. The feelings will come up and you have to get yourself back into like the little version of you. Give her the love that she needed that day. Um, be there for her. Be that support that she needed so she heals. So you become that support for her. Rather than aching it from outside, you create that bond. Present you is the support for past you. And that starts to heal. I'm like beyond right now. Me too. I'm thinking about all of the things that I need to heal in myself. I know. <laughs> little, little me is so fucked. <laughs> um, I, now I'm all out of sorts with my, um, with That's our okay. questions. Well, but, I also wanted to go back into, and I know we were just here, but like I do, I'm so intrigued by the femi- feminine and masculine yeah. sides of spirituality. So like, how do you help someone who's rooted more in like a masculine energy? So it would be mainly figuring out why you needed to be in your masculine energy. Like what, in what way was it for? to be that way? What are the dynamics in your life? And especially if you're in a relationship, so, you know, you need polar relationship. You need opposites actually do attract and attract at a spiritual level. You need to have that difference. And so if you have all these relationships around you, maybe that are super feminine, you suddenly have to step into that masculine role that could force you into that energetic space, whether or not you're actually craving it. Um, it could be out of safety, something that in the past, it wasn't safe for you to be sexy. It wasn't safe for you to express your emotions. Um, it wasn't safe for you to be playful and, and not think about the future and be in the moment. So a lot of things can play into it, just figuring out what the specific trauma is. Mm-hmm. And the, the newest course that I do right now is all about connecting with your cycle. So there's four different stages within your cycle. We all know PMS and we know when we're menstruating. And that's kind of the most obvious ones. Like we know PMS is like crazy bitchy lady, um, but there's so much more. Like every stage has a different aspect of it. And based on the trauma that you've experienced in your past, you may have a repressed version of you in that phase. So every month, opportunity to heal different aspects of you based on the being in that feminine energetic space. Um, so it, it, there's so many layers to it. That's the thing. It's like, you yeah. you're not going to just check off the box, but it's so cool to honor what shows up when it shows up for you specifically. It's always just like, it's to me, it sounds like always asking yourself why, well, why do you do this? And why are you feeling that way? And forcing yourself to answer so that you can tap into, to an answer really. And like, do you, and maybe this is a question for you personally, but also maybe it's a question kind of in general, but do you think that there is, um, there are times where you should tap into your feminine times where you should tap into your masculine? Are you, are you meant to be bouncing back and forth or are some people meant to be more rooted in one most of the time than the other or both? Totally. That's such a good question. Um, so we do have natural energies. So there is something that you will prefer and align with naturally. Obviously, the obvious ones is, okay, women align with feminine, men, masculine, but it really is a spectrum. You could be somewhere on the spectrum and just making sure that you're honoring if you're like feeling majority masculine, then cool, honor that majority of the time. But you do have that feminine essence and you need to, to incorporate that in your being. When it comes to your cycle, 
the first half of your cycle is very much in your masculine. And then the second half is more in your feminine. So it kind of like shifts like different parts of your cycle. And it really depends on also what your day looks like. If you have a day ahead of you with a ton of work and you know this is a workflow, you're about to get shit done, be in your masculine, create containers, create structure. Versus another day on like a weekend where you have so much freedom, don't make plans, see what feels good, play, flirt, have fun, be social, whatever you want to do. But allow yourself to indulge in both spaces. So when you're in your masculine, create the container, create the structure. When you're in your feminine, do whatever the hell you want. Like play and have fun and be more fluid. Um, but ensuring that you honor what feels authentic for you. And that's going to come down to what feels right. Like wake up in the morning based on what your day looks like and what you would like. What, what do your day to look like? Cool. Now I know when I can channel which parts of myself. I like that. I like like the compartmentalizing idea of it. That's the masculine energy in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and overall, it feels like uh, just being more intentional with your energy as opposed to uh, dismissing it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the big thing is not having these like energy leaks. That's something that we do specifically like in the second week of your cycle. Um, it's very easy to kind of get distracted by things and instant gratification. That's the world we live in where you get kind of like, just like an instant rush, like, Ooh, that feels good. Mm -hmm. And if you constantly feed into what feels good, very instantly, you actually get disconnected to what feels good at like a core level. So imagine like you, like, just think of like your arousal. If you were able to get yourself, get off, off of, orgasm like every couple of minutes like you would actually lose the desire for just like that deep penetrating soulful orgasm like it makes it that much better when you can wait and like crave it more and like know what you want versus like kind of just getting little little things to have a little mini satisfaction little vibrators (laughs) little life vibrators all wrong (laughs) and that's the world we live in it's so easy to get like little quick fix so right It's so true. It's so true. And it's also very true that when you work really hard for something or you wait for whatever it is that you're waiting for, it does, it's like that much more satisfying. It feels that much better. Um, it's like the tantric, tantric spirituality. Um, I watched one of your IGTVs or IG live IG something, um, about anxiety and kind of it, I think that you should recap it for me, but it was basically about like, like turning your anxiety and using it for good as like a superpower, as opposed to like something that's like negative and happening to you. So one, will you just recap that really quickly for the listeners? And two, are there other negative in quotes, I'm quotating the word negative feelings or behaviors or whatever that that can very easily like that be reframed into something that can be used as in a a positive way right so the big thing with anxiety is we all hate it we wish it wasn't there it's uncomfortable it makes us stop living ruins our plans but number one thing to remember is your body is always working for you it's so efficient. Like it can get rid of waste when it's time to get rid of waste without you having to 
It knows how to create a baby without you ever having to try. It gets rid of your sweat when you're overheating. Like, how cool. You have this beautiful operating system. So honoring that, remembering that, and thinking, okay, well, anxiety is another one of those things. The same way that I need to, like, go pee, this is, I also need to experience anxiety as, like, a shock of, like, what's going on. Um, and usually to reach a point of anxiety, the way that I see it is that you've now ignored so many signs along the way. Your body has given you all these hints and tried to nudge you into, hey, pay attention. You're out of alignment. Something's not right. Make a change. You've ignored it so long, but now it's actually shutting down. It's physically creating pain for you. So you ignored the emotional blocks, the mental blocks that showed up, the, um, crossroads that you had, you block them all off and then you reach your anxiety. And so if you stop and think, okay, it's here for me. Now what? Why is it here? What is it trying to communicate to me? What does it want instead? So quite literally having a conversation with your anxiety, like, thank you for showing up. You know, I, I know that you're here for a reason. I'm here. I'm listening. What do you need from me? And so allowing yourself to create that separation of this aspect of me is suffering. What does it, how can I heal by listening rather than being so angry and pushing it away? And the more you resist it, you know, we know the, the more we resist, the more it persists. I don't even know how that phrase is said, but. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> well, resist persists. There it is. Um, and anxiety is one of those. The more that you hate on it and want to have nothing to do with it, well, it's not going anywhere. It's waiting to get your attention. That's yeah. why it's there. That speaks to me so hard. That IG spoke to me so hard and I wanted to bring it into this conversation because I do think that like, selfishly, I'm going to make this about me for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in this week's episode, which now when you're listening to this will be last week's episode, um, we talked about like how me and Isa are in a both simultaneously, which I feel like is the universe aligning us for some reason, but in this kind of like very chaotic place in our lives. And it's a lot. And for Issa, it's a lot of good things. And for me, it's a lot of things. We'll just say that. But I, I wonder, one, that spoke to me because I, I was sort of still am like in this constant state of like this anxiety cycle that I like couldn't get out of. And I feel like I'm, I'm finally starting to get out of it now. Um, and so that type of like framework and like mindset rejiggering is super helpful for me to hear. But also I wonder kind of as a greater scope and maybe you don't have insight into this, but maybe you do like, it must be pretty typical that people are going through the same thing over and over again until they're finally like, Oh, I'm fucking done. And like, that's the trigger to like doing this kind of like deep work is like, you sort of have to like hit rock bottom. Mm. Yeah. Right. To be ready to start building again. Either I that or your rock bottoms. Like, yeah. I, and people always think like, all right, this is it. Like I've had my rock bottom. Like, no, we, oh, no you can always awesome. dig deeper. Yeah. And that's the thing. The feminine is cyclical. Like you go through a cycle, you hit your rock bottom, you come back, hit hit another rock bottom. And it's not, it's not that it's bad or you're not making progress. That's just the way it is. The masculine is linear. The feminine is cyclical. So we move in cycles every round we unravel. There's amazing beauty in every round and there's the, the darkness in every round. But if you deny all of it and say, I just want to be chilling the whole way through, 
cool, you're going to walk your way into numbness. And there's nothing in the world worse than being numb, than feeling like you're not alive, like living your life as if you're just an observer in, of your body. That is definitely probably my darkest phase is my numbness. I think back to that time of, I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. I just feel nothing. That is the worst. And when you personally felt like that, where did, how did you find, cause I feel like when you're at that point, it can be really hard to find the energy or the strength or the courage or whatever it is to kind of dig yourself out. So what did that look like for you? So that was one of my experiences in numbness that I clearly remember was when I was working my first corporate job and then I I quit to travel. Um, Making that big of a change, and this is a little bit of where my my own habits come from, is escaping, going to a new location is always a quick little like, ah, relief for me. But right now, quarantine has really kept me stuck. And so this has even been a, a new challenge for myself that when things go wrong, I have to stay put and I have to sit with it and just mm. and experience it. Um, so making whatever, but somebody else could be somebody who sits put and maybe they need to take that jump. So there, whatever that is for you, whatever is going to really push you out of it. And for me, sometimes it is sitting down because I do have a tendency to, to pick up and leave and change and, and distract myself with newness. Same. That's me. That's is the opposite. That's me. And it, it's very challenging when you have a family to just be like, I can't stay here anymore. You guys, we got to go. Meanwhile, I'm like, Oh God, my girlfriends are trying, like I'm, I'm getting married in two years. It's like not anytime soon, but my girlfriends are already like, we're going somewhere. And I'm like, Oh, just like not overseas. Like, uh, you know, like, I'm the one who's like, just, uh, or can we drive there? Like, they're yeah. like, nuts. <laughs> so we're very opposite. But we all need those pushes, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder, and, and that, like, when you when you start to do this kind of deep work and you start to tr- change your mindset, you must start to attract a new crowd, a new vibe. You probably start losing relationships just as quickly as you start gaining them when you do these types of things because you're totally evolving, like, who you are. So... I would assume that adds a kind of another layer of complexity to all of this work is that especially if you're in a relationship, like that person that you're in a relationship with has to be pretty understanding and flexible or supportive or all of those things. Ready. Yeah. Or ready. Yeah. Just ready. But also, I mean, some of your friends might get dropped like it's hot. (laughs) See ya. That's guaranteed. And are you willing to say yes to that? Are you willing to sacrifice the old you for the new you? Um, That's the first section. So your menstruation phase is all about purging, releasing. Mm -hmm. And the theme of that week is figuring out, okay, what in my life is no longer serving me? What am I saying no to? What am I saying goodbye to? Um, And understanding, like, what is your relationship to death? Does death really scare you? Are you okay with the idea that things will die and then it'll be reborn and the cycle will continue, but you have to be okay with the death. You have to be okay with really letting it go. Otherwise there's no room for anything else. And I think a big reason for stagnation is people that are so clung to the past. That's a big thing I see with so many clients is they're attached to this one time when they were really, really happy. Mm. They just reminisce on that old version of them. It's like, that is gone. It's not coming back. Let her die. 
like bury her and move on. We need to move forward. And that's the hard part. We, we struggle to accept death in, in a, even like the very metaphorical spirit. Yeah. Something that works super interesting and something that works for me, like a lot of, I live in the same town that I grew up in and, you know, like, so I see people sometimes that like haven't known me since I'm 20 and they'll bring up things in the past. And I used to get so like intimidated or like upset that like they were talking about me in a version that didn't exist anymore. And that now I'm confident enough to say like, Oh Oh girl, like, I don't even know who that girl is like that you're talking about, you know, like, Oh, that was so long ago. But like, it took me a long time to really get there because I didn't understand that there was several versions of me and several versions of me in other people's minds. You know, like you knew me when I was 21, you have no idea how I am at 33. So, you know, you can talk to me as much as you want, but like, it's not going to make sense to me. And I'm not going to make sense to you right now because you're going to be like, oh, you've changed. Like, yeah, well, it's been 12 fucking years. You know? Yeah. And and I'm curious. That's a really good point is how, uh, I guess, both internally and externally. So, like, to yourself, but also to that person, how do you deal with that type of confrontation? With somebody who has a, a mental picture of an old you? Yes. It's your choice. So are you in a place where you're fully ready to own the new you and be like, all right, take it for what it is. This is me. Or is there a little part of you? And I know I'm guilty of this, of having that chameleon side, like, oh, yeah, I can, I can slip back into that. I can, you know, I can be comfortable by being the old version of me that you like and that you know that you're familiar with. So we do have a tendency to, to do that. Our environment is so huge because we can slip into like older versions of ourselves. Um, but it takes strength and being like, this is who I am now. If you don't like it, then, you know, I like it. So just be, having that awareness. And it is a challenge. So is. I know with my own family, going back home, it is not always easy saying, yeah, I'm into this feminine spirituality thing and studying sex and, you know, becoming this kind of outward woman that's just not normal for them um and I don't necessarily share everything that I do with my family I do give myself some privacy but I do find myself accidentally slipping back into like my kid self like I was home in quarantine and I'm like wow I haven't cooked anything like I you know clean up after myself I'm behaving like this little high school version and you know kind of giving in to what my parents want and allowing them to uh, you know, go by their rules and what they expect of me. So it happens. It, it's challenging, but it's a choice. What works that for me? Just, go ahead. Sorry, real quick. What works for me is that when, because it took me a really long time and lots of therapy to like get to a point of being like, this is how I am now. And like, or just like not even acknowledging, not being like, I'm like this, like whatever. But I think of it as almost like when I start to regress into the person that I was like just behavior wise, I look at it as me apologizing to someone without apologizing. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, no mas. Like I'm not going to try and like fit into this mold that you think I should be in. So I'm going to like keep doing me. And like, if you want to talk to me, cool. But if not, then like, it's not like no skin off my back or no skin off my nose or whatever (laughs) body it's supposed to be off of, you know? (laughs) And also, I I think it's interesting the um, analogy that you use being home in quarantine and 
slipping back into the old version of you with your parents. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like one relationship that your probs not really going to get rid of. Right. And I do think it's like a huge struggle because I, I've been having this conversation in a lot of different ways lately, but at the age that we're at where we're like adults and our parents are adults, but our parents see us as their kids. Right. But we're like, yo, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a grown up. I can make my own decisions. You're not the boss of me. As a matter of fact, you're getting old and I should probably start making decisions for you too. Or at least that's how I am with my mom. Um, it's a power struggle on top of the fact that it's like almost a fight for your identity. So that's a really interesting dynamic that is a little bit more complex than probably just like later dazing on some friends that aren't serving you anymore. Definitely. And and be okay, being okay with that. You don't need to suddenly feel like, Oh my gosh, I've regressed so much because I'm being triggered by my parents. Like no, you know, nothing against parents, but they are the root of all triggers. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't mean to, they meant well, but you know, they did fuck us up in, in their own way, accidentally. So how can you expect to never be triggered in the environment that the triggers were born? Mm. So that's just the way it is. And be forgiving for yourself. Notice the difference. Have your privacy. Um, but but that's why we're not meant to be living together. <laughs> 100%. Right. As a child, like a, like a daughter, that is amazing to hear as a parent that's horrible to hear <laughs> no. it's like I'm so satisfied and I'm so sad at the same time <laughs> no. I mean it's part of life you know we do do our best but we inevitably fuck up our kids no matter what we do um yeah. so okay so ultimately in your ideal world in your business when people graduate from your program how do you want them to feel or have changed or have evolved? For me, that's just like coming from a place of like true autonomy in who you are. Like everything that you do feels authentic. Every decision that you make feels like you. You're living in alignment moment to moment with your highest self. That, that's what it truly means. It, you will have triggers, you will have layers and you'll continue to go deeper beyond time with me. That just is is how life continues to grow, but you are equipped. You suddenly have this like tool belt of, okay, how do I approach this? How can I view this through the lens of what is this trying to teach me? Why is this here? Um, This thing is knowing how to work with your body, understanding the cycles and the phases that you're going through in becoming a divine feminine woman. And then using that, that you have a blueprint. Now go about your life and live it, make decisions for yourself, but understand why things are happening. So that, that's, that's the key. I want you to have that strength in yourself. Like I, I don't want some clients for five years. You, you don't need me that long. You should have the capability to really progress on your own. And that's the goal. I gotta say it radiates from you because I'm like, yes. Like I feel yeah, almost like I feel almost like stronger and more rooted. I'm like, let's start fucking journaling, let's start <laughs> meditating, let, let's get off let bye. I gotta go later. But that's awesome. Um Ace, do you have any other questions before I start talking about business? No, go ahead. Do your thing. I just want um to hear 
for listeners, if anybody is interested in working with you, how they go about doing that, what they can expect, how they should prepare, um, and then we can do our questions, our five questions. Yeah. So there's, there's two options. We can either work together one-on-one. Um, I don't take on more than seven or eight clients at a time. So kind of just depends on if I'm, I'm open for one-on-one, but that is a commitment. Like what you will do in that time will be what you could do on your own in five years. It's uncomfortable. It's like deep into your soul of like what really is getting in the way. Um, and for that, I really look for people who are all in not afraid and ready and see the value in who they are meant to be. And then once you step into that, it's all going to happen. Like I can guarantee a transformation. All I need is for you to say, yes, all I need is for you to give me that permission. Um, so that's my favorite thing that I do. I, I love one-on-one. It's like such a cool like discovery because every person has such a beautiful story and it's all rooted back into some of the same core feminine um, blocks that we have. And then if you're somebody who, okay, I'm just starting out in this world. I don't know if I'm ready to sign my life away with you. (laughs) Then my course is is a little bit more chill. It's uh, all about feminine spirituality, connecting to different aspects of your feminine. So with with your cycle. So we start with menstruation. What is the divine feminine archetype in there? What's the sea correlated, the element within earth? Um, Different ways to channel this energy, embody the work, we do women's circles, we do authentic relating practices together, breath work, meditation, journaling, all that kind of stuff. So it's more like I'm ready to kind of go on this journey on my own, but still have the support um, with everybody else. That's a little bit more laid back. But yeah, again, for that, you just got to want it. You're going to get a transformation. Literally magic and signs are going to start showing up for you the second that you say yes. Uh, that's something I'm just so passionate about because I've seen the way that the rewards and how the universe responds when you, when you choose yourself and it's really cool to witness. So those are the options and it's really just how bad do you want it? Do you care about yourself and who you're meant to become? And are you ready to step into that? I'm curious how you personally reserve so much space for all of these other women and their changes because it feels like a lot and then to keep some for yourself. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Do you have like practices that help keep you grounded, like daily rituals? You know, I love that shit. <laughs> um, so I, I do kind of divide a week. So I have certain days for, I like two days a week for just one-on-one. And then I have one day of the week where I do like course stuff where I'm either filming, recording videos or doing um, women's circles that day. So I like to like fully energy on that day. And I don't work Mondays and Fridays that hard. Um, those are like my easy Good. days. Saturday and Sunday, I don't even respond to anything. Um, mm. So truly, like, I'm really only working a condensed amount of time. And that works really well for me. And, and I'm able to kind of just reset on the weekend. So yeah, it, it definitely takes a lot to not pick up on other people's energy to be able to create that energetic shield for yourself. Yeah. Something super necessary. Yeah. And how do you create, how do you, I'm now I'm going back, back deep. I'm sorry. I'll stop after this, but how do you create an energetic shield without kind of building those walls back up? So being in that, being in like a one-on-one space for me, at least it's a lot of feeling into the energy without suddenly becoming on the ride with them. 
So it's like, it's all in the energy. You can feel it when you're sitting on a call with somebody. There's a point where you can suddenly become a friend and become an empath where you're just like, oh, I feel you, I feel you. And, and that's very much like the therapist counselor role. Um, and there's been moments where I'm like, whoa, I'm getting sucked into that. Drop, pull back, disconnect. And now like be with them, but not be in them. Um, so it's, it's, I guess, hard to explain, but it's something you can feel. You can feel yeah. the energy of creating that separation of I'm here with you. I'm, I'm observing you. I'm going to pull apart things that you're not seeing versus like, yeah, man, that sucks. Like, oh, just riding around with you. Like, I'm not trying to do that. Um, and it, it can, you can slip there if you're not conscious and checking with yourself. That's why I take such good care of myself is yeah. to have that awareness of when am I slipping and when am I uh, present with them and actually guiding them. Yeah. Give us a little insight into your day as to how you take care of yourself. Dexter so, wants to know too. That's Abby's dog. Dex. Is that Dexter? Both of them going crazy. The mailman must be here. We're a dog. We're a dog friendly podcast. Sorry. Nice. Nice. I wish we could have dogs here, but we don't have a dog yet. <laughs> too much of a commitment for me right now. <laughs> it's a lot um, for sure. Yeah. So how, what do I do? I mean, Truly, I wish I could give you a good answer, but it really depends on what every day looks like. Um, yesterday, I wanted to get my nails done in the middle of the afternoon. They so look so good, by the way. I've been yeah, staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, are they silver or gold? Um, they're like this metallic, like xenon color. Are they cool? Xenon, the girl of the 21st century. Is that what you just referenced? Oh. <laughs> 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 you so, just took it there. <laughs> That is me, like doing whatever feels good that day. If I want to lay on the grass for an hour, if I want to go swim, if I want to go frolic in the forest. Also, big thing is tuning into your cycle and noticing what energy you're in. If there are some days when I need to really sit in bed and cool, I'll stay home, I'll cry, and I'll let all the feelings come out, watch a sad movie, and, and be in that. So that's the only way really there's no schedule <laughs> let me tell you up until talking to you I never thought of my cycle as like purging other things other than feeling like I was dying and now I'm like oh I'm gonna get rid of all these motherfuckers are on my, on my next cycle <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's fun he's just about to clean house and then when people are like what the fuck she's gonna be like hi it was last fault not mine <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> Um, so we like to end each episode with five rapid fire questions. <laughs> Just give us whatever comes to your mind first. Okay. They're not scary questions. I, I'm ready. You want to go first? You should want me to go first. I'll go first. If you were a color, what color would you be and why? Purple. I don't know why that's just coming to me right now. It came in my yoga class this morning and I don't know. I'm just feeling really purpley. I'm wearing purple. So that's oh. me. <laughs> um, big win of 2020 so far. I think this is not even like business or anything related. Just my relationship with my brother. We got to spend so much time together over quarantine. We both have lived um, away from home since we were 18. So I love that. That was really cool. Yeah, we got to spend a lot of time. And just this past weekend, I was in New York visiting him and his girlfriend. So that would oh, not have awesome. happened if it weren't for the world ending. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Good answer. Sweet or savory? Sweet. 
What specifically? Oh my God, not candy. No, no, I don't like candies, like the, the colorful stuff. I like like chocolate, ice cream, like yeah, just mm. the heavy stuff. The good <laughs> shit, yeah. The good shit, mm. exactly. And our last, our final favorite question, what is your vibe? My vibe, I am a vibe. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the only person to have that you answer said you that. Win. You win. <laughs> that was I couldn't think of any else either. It just seemed like the obvious answer. That was perfect. Cool. Thank you guys. That was fun. Um, so just let everyone know where they can find you. Instagram is really the best way to reach me. I'm I'm active there and that's where I, I show up the most. So yeah, it's halai.com co h-i-l-a-y dot c-o and then you have a link in your bio with all of your your stuff and we'll put it all in the show notes too and thank you so much this, this was very so eye-opening for I know. us it was really thank good you. we're so grateful yeah this is fun really good question i i really enjoyed getting in there with you guys thanks all right guys well we'll see you next week bye bye